0: a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey folks, today's episode is brought to you by Litbreaker. Litbreaker is an online advertising network for the literary web. Do you know how that works? You can advertise on a bunch of great literary slash culture sites all at once. Sites like the Paris Review, the Nervous Breakdown, Large Hearted Boy, Full Stop, the rumpus the list goes on go to litbreaker.com for more information and learn how you can advertise on the entire network or you can pick the sites you want and advertise piecemeal it's very user friendly litbreaker.com this is an advertising network for book nerds go and advertise on it oh my god
1: you are not alone you have found other people You and I have a friend in common.
0: Every stupid thing that a writer could do, I've done.
1: I think it's really beautiful. Jake, did what a struggle, you know? It was incredible. You know, it was like your head exploded seeing what was really there. And now here's your host, Brad Listy.
0: Just one person at just one time. Here we go (laughs) again. This is it. This is other people. This is yet another podcast. This is listened to on a regular basis by 643 people in India. How's it going out there? I'm Brad Listy. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm speaking in a very clipped manner, indicative, Indicative, indicating that I've been uh, using caffeine. I've been using caffeine. I'm a caffeine user, and I'm in a garage in Los Angeles, and I'm on caffeine. I'm on a lot of caffeine right now. My guest today is Miriam Gerba. She has a new story collection out. It's called Painting Their Portraits in Winter. It's available from uh, Manic D Press. Miriam Gerba, Painting Their Portraits in Winter. I will be talking with her uh, shortly. And speaking of shortly, uh, I was uh, musing on Twitter over at uh, my other people uh, Twitter account a few days ago, having uh, a public crisis of confidence about uh, monologues on this program, whether or not they're necessary. Is it too much me? Do I need to just stop talking? Is this really necessary? Am I qualified to do this? I'm not a comedian. I'm not a... uh, What am I? I guess I'm a podcaster. Podcaster's monologue. That was always how I understood the format, and so I feel... And I have felt a certain obligation to say something at the top of the show. And when you do hundreds of these, you have no choice but to uh, get into your personal uh, life, your personal thoughts. You have to kind of dig deep some weeks or some days when nothing much seems to be going on. And uh, I can worry sometimes that what I'm saying here is uh, silly or unnecessary. So I I decided to talk about it on Twitter, mostly because I was bored and I was on Twitter, but also because I was genuinely curious what you guys out there think of the monologues and if there was any kind of consensus. And uh, so I said on Twitter, and here's a, uh, I'm going to start quoting Twitter. I'm going to scroll through my Twitter here. I said, uh, it's painful for me to listen to my own monologues. Not that I do it all that often, but Jesus. Jesus. I feel like many listeners want the monologues, a majority probably, and some hate them. And so I feel obligated to deliver something, like uh, go with the majority or whatever. But maybe the show would be better without them. I don't know. Somebody tell me what to do. And uh, Chelsea Hodson tweeted, the New York Times did call it thinking out loud. I find them charming. There's also a fast-forward button for the haters. And uh, Drew uh, Amon, Drew Amon, said, I think you should keep your monologues going, even lengthening them. David Door said, I wouldn't like to see them go. And I also dig the intros where you read emails. Jesse Sawyer, the monologues are essential. Stay gold, pony boy. Elisa Gabbert, I think the monologues are pretty boring. Sorry, but I still love you. And I mostly skip ahead. Joseph Edwin Hager, are you looking for an excuse to stop doing monologues? Stop it. The people want more listy ramblings. Give us what we want. Brandy Wells, I mostly fast forward through the monologues, but not in a hateful way. A good-natured fast-forwarding. Roxane Gay, I love them too. Astronaut Pants, I love your monologues. Kevin Maloney, if you stop doing monologues, I'm going on a hunger strike. DJ Goldsmith, the show without monologues? Get off it, man. Don't fuck with the format, asshat. At which point I tweet, I sort of feel like the drunk guy at the party who is about to sled down the stairs or something nude, and everyone is cheering me on. Holloway McCandless, you're your own warm-up act, the solo before the duet. By the way, kudos on allowing your guests to talk. Keep the monologues. Someone by uh, the initials A N B says, I think the monologues are a rite of passage for listeners. I started off not a fan, and now I love them. Exclamation point. Lisa Cross-Smith, I am pro-monologue and especially enjoy it when you are funny and fussy at the same time. Fuss funny? Question mark? Monsi Manessis, I know I'm mispronouncing that. She says, to me, listening to your monologues is like catching up with a friend. Hosho McCreesh, monologues are essential. For every groan about an Appalachian Trail comment, there are at least ten honest human revelations. Alex Higley, yes monologues. David Olympio, pro monologue. I could go on. Tyler Goff Barton. I love the monologues. So, I'm going to keep doing the monologues. It sounds like you guys want the monologues. And I, you know, I think I want the monologues too. I just don't want to be self-indulgent. It's weird. You know, you're a human being. You have uh, moods that vary from day to day. Your temperament changes, unless you're extremely, you know, one of these people who's extremely steady and flatlined. You sit down, you talk in front of a microphone. Most of the, most times I'm, f- I'm fine with it. Some days I'm like, what the, what am I saying? <laughs> what is this? But, uh, you know, the, the listeners have spoken. The monologues stay. If you have any thoughts on this, you can email me, letters at otherPPL.com. I'm always interested to hear from listeners. Let me know uh, know what you think. Hey, everybody. If you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns, uh my guest once again is miriam gerba had a great time talking with miriam she was over here uh she sat down in the garage we talked she has a new story collection out it's called painting their portraits in winter available now from manic d press here she is ladies and gentlemen this is miriam gerba
1: i'm kind of like uh, impulsive when it comes to what i do to my body so like you
0: don't care. You'll put something. You'll put a tattoo on your body. Not too concerned about um, the after effects or whether you might change your mind. Oh
1: yeah. You'll do like that. I have a pentagram on my arm. Yeah. Like I. I just you know. Impulsive. Very impulsive. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But
0: I mean, like in terms of like being impulsive with your body, does that mean that you uh, are reckless?
1: Maybe a little bit. How so? Um. Well, I. I. I just. I mean, thrills are fun, right? Yeah. And like tattoos are really thrilling, and like breaking the law can be really thrilling. <laughs> Driving fast can be really thrilling. So, you, you drive fast? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Dangerously? Maybe a little bit.
0: Okay. You yeah. don't race or anything?
1: No, no. Okay. No, not in my grandma's truck.
0: You drive your grandma's truck? Yeah,
1: I inherited my grandma's truck, yeah.
0: Okay. She's mm-hmm. no longer with us?
1: No, no. She's. Underground in Whittier. Okay.
0: <laughs> That's a nice thing. She gave you her truck.
1: Yeah. She's buried by EZE. Like across the hill from EZE. No shit. Yeah, at Rose Hills.
0: All right. Yeah. She gave you her truck. I imagine
1: them rapping together at night. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> um,
0: okay. And you, where are you from originally?
1: I'm originally from Santa Maria, California. I, which... I wish I knew where that was. Okay, so let me give you the whereabouts, a low lowdown. So it's near San Luis Obispo and near Santa Barbara. It's right. very close to the coast. All right. And it's known for its strawberries, broccoli, wine, tri-tip, and having been the home of the Michael Jackson molestation trial.
0: No kidding. Yes. That's a nice place to be from. It is. It's beautiful.
1: It's gorgeous. Beautiful
0: part of the country. <laughs> yeah. Just wine and strawberries. Yeah. Is that what you grew up doing?
1: Um just I drinking mean, wine and strawberries? There you know, there were vineyards across the street from our house and there were there was like a strawberry festival that you could go to if you wanted to be stabbed. Like I mean it was
0: What do you mean like, if you wanted to be stabbed? Well, just
1: like a lot of cholos at the strawberry festival. Uh, <laughs>
0: Dude, you, you're not that tough if you're hanging at the strawberry festival.
1: Um, but yeah, a lot of strawberries. Like, and there was like a strawberry queen, and um, yeah, like a lot of culture around strawberries. Were you
0: ever the strawberry queen?
1: Fuck uh, no. no. Oh my god, no. Okay. I was the the only superlative I ever got was in the yearbook. I got best eyebrows.
0: You do have a nice Look at set. It.
1: Yeah, thank you. Do you pay,
0: do you sculpt those? No, they're just natural. I was out.
1: born with them like this.
0: No kidding. I know
1: they're it's it's bizarre, isn't it? Because
0: a lot of women, uh, I feel like they spend time on that. They pluck them, they sculpt mm-hmm. them. You, yeah. That's just all natural.
1: No, they're really skinny. Yeah. You're lucky. Thank you. Is that is
0: that the, isn't that the desired brow?
1: Uh, well, you know what? These are sort of passe now. Like the thin eyebrow now, like a big. Bushy. Bushy. Yes. Like the bush is back. Right. Like, (laughs) but like, you know, above the eye, like a big eyebrow is in, like girls are like drawing them in like crazy. And I feel deficient now.
0: You putting like Rogaine on your eyebrows or?
1: I mean, I could, but I don't think I'm going to do that. You can't do that. Can you? Yeah. You can put Rogaine wherever you want.
0: And it'll grow hair.
1: It'll grow hair. Yeah. Okay. If there are follicles to be stimulated, they'll be stimulated. But it
0: feels like a little bit uh, dicey because you don't know how that's going to manifest. It could come. It could come in strong. That's true. Way too. But then I guess you, you could you could groom.
1: You yeah exactly. But you've got a nice set of but eyebrows. But I feel like you know what? And it, I mean eyebrows. I mean they cycle in trends, so these are going to come back. Yes. They're just waiting for their comeback.
0: Well, and the thing too is like eyebrows uh, to me are a part of the body or a feature of the body that I don't even pay attention to, but every once in a while. And then mm-hmm. suddenly it's like, that's weird that we have these, there's just little weird lines of hair above our eyes. Like,
1: Yeah. I mean, strange. they're there to catch sweat, but I think they also serve some sort of evolutionary purpose in terms of like identifying people. Because if you remove somebody's eyebrows, they become unidentifiable and they stop looking human. I know this guy who's a drag queen and he um, shaved his eyebrows and he didn't have eyebrows for two years and he didn't get laid for two years. Really? Yeah. Without I, the eyebrows? Without eyebrows. Eyebrows matter. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how was childhood?
1: Oh, my God. Um, Just to
0: start generally.
1: Uh, childhood, you know what? Childhood was really fun.
0: You like had a good I time. had a
1: really, f- I had a good time. Good, like, uh,
0: good parent relationship?
1: Yeah, I had a really good parent relationship and I had, re- I had like a surplus of self-esteem. Like I had a really fun childhood. I really enjoyed school a lot.
0: You had a lot of friends. I had
1: a lot of friends. Um I I mean I was like mischievous. Um How so? Uh well I was like, I would like to, I was always scheming to do things and like implementing my schemes, and I was a little short tempered. And, um,
0: were you a mean girl?
1: I wouldn't say that I was a mean girl. I would say that I stuck up for myself. So if you did something to me, I would do something back.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but no, I wouldn't say that I was a mean girl, but like, I mean, like,
0: like, what were you into extracurricularly?
1: Extracurricularly as a little kid?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Did you play in the band? Were you a homecoming queen? Oh,
1: my God. Um. Well, okay. So when I was a really little kid, I liked riding my bike and playing pretend games and digging in my backyard because I thought I was going to be an archaeologist. So I just... I was a digger. <laughs>
0: <And then laughs> well, what were you expecting to find? Like dinosaur bones?
1: Something. Yeah. Like, I don't know what, but I just had faith that the earth held something great in I used store to go, for me. My
0: friends and I used to go walk around in uh, cornfields looking for arrowheads.
1: Oh, that's rad. In,
0: uh, yeah. Wisconsin. That's really cool. I remember that.
1: And my dad dug too. Like, he did the same thing. Like, he would... Like, what did he do? uh like he and his brother would just go around like southern california in like the 1950s digging and they would find fossils and stuff and they I mean, wanted he,
0: like... he wasn't an archaeologist no
1: my dad's a school administrator now oh, okay. or a retired school administrator
0: but like with a passing interest in this yeah totally. like a hobby archaeologist
1: yeah and so i guess i inherited that um but then like of course whatever i i, I was like kind of tomboyish when i was like in elementary school and stuff and then And then in junior high, things changed because they always change in junior high. And then, um, and then by high school, I had become just a lot more interested in being a bitch.
0: I'm just gonna focus on being a bitch. Yeah,
1: like I was a total bitch. Like, um, like I wouldn't even change my clothes for PE. Like I was super goth and I dressed all in black and I would just put the uniform on over my clothes. Oh my so god! So I was like a witch wearing like a PE uniform over her clothes.
0: Just what, what is this? This just- is this <laughs> is adolescence. This is hormones.
1: And 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 some rage.
0: But rage against what?
1: Everybody. Just everything. Like rage at being a woman. Rage at being a person of color. Rage at being queer. Did you feel?
0: Okay. When did you realize? uh, I mean, obviously, you knew you were a person of color. Obviously, you (laughs) knew you were a woman. When did you realize that you were queer? Um. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah,
1: you can say that. And like, there really like isn't so much a point of realization because like throughout. I mean, for me, throughout my life, I've had crushes on like both genders. And I guess, like...
0: But you prefer women.
1: No. I don't necessarily prefer women. I just like people. Just, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like a 50-50 split. Uh,
1: no, not necessarily. I wouldn't say 50 I mean, it's not something that can easily be quantified. Okay. Um, and, like, it shifts. And uh, it's really fluid. My sexuality is really fluid. But, um... Where are you right now? <laughs> um, right now... Well, right now I have a boyfriend, Okay. A, a cisgendered male. Do you know what cisgendered means?
0: Isn't that isn't that just like, hetero?
1: No. What does that mean? Okay, cisgendered <laughs> means I went that... over this. I went
0: over this before on this show. That's and I, okay. My brain is we gone. We can go over it again. Okay.
1: Um, so cisgendered means that you are not transgendered. It means that you identify with the gender assigned to at birth.
0: That's okay. Yeah.
1: Yes. Right. So yeah. So right now I'm 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 in a monogamous relationship with a cisgendered man. Yeah, um, and, and I'm in the process of, of getting a divorce from a lady.
0: Oh, you are? Yeah, okay. so my
1: life is has some, some drama in it right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's okay.
0: So this is a thing, though. And I know that these, I mean, obviously this has changed, too, uh, because I feel like the family unit for homosexual relationships is something that's, Uh, increasingly more respected, you know, gay people can get married now, Mm -hmm. there are plenty of gay families where they have children Mm -hmm. and, you know, I know plenty of them, Mm -hmm. uh, especially living here in Los Angeles. But Mm -hmm. as a woman, uh, you know, who is uh, interested or has a fluid sexuality, Mm -hmm. does it ever like factor into you like thinking like, oh, you know, I'd love to have a family someday, I love being with women, but I really want to be with a man so that I can have kids With that man that doesn't think. No,
1: because I've never wanted to have kids. Oh, well. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You're like, I fucking
1: hate kids. I mean, I don't hate them, but I don't like them. And, like, it's just never been something that I've been drawn to. And, like, I remember being, like, a super little girl and being on the playground and hanging out with my friends, and then they would all be, like, having the baby talk or the future talk, which is, like, this imagine talk. Like, when I grow up, I'm going to have a husband, and his name is going to be, like, Ralph, and we're going to have, like, two girls and one boy, and I'm going to name the boy, like, whatever. Like, that conversation felt stupid to me. I was like, what is wrong with these fools? Like, That really why happened?
0: Are- I guess that happens. That
1: totally happens. And I could not engage because I had no interest in that kind of future. I was like, why are you thinking about babies? Why aren't you thinking about like swashbuckling or like, you know, other things you could be doing with your future. What is
0: swashbuckling?
1: Swashbuckling. Like, 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 like going on these. Yeah. <laughs> like going on these adventures. <laughs> the only thing that I wanted that had to do with like domesticity was I wanted a honeymoon because I didn't know what happened. But in the movies... There was an intimation that there was some sort of unveiling or surprise yeah. that would happen when, like, the dude sweeps up like the woman and he carries her into honeymoon suite and they shut the door and they don't emerge till the next morning. See,
0: I can relate to this. I always felt like the <laughs> wedding—the uh, wedding for my wife and I—was never that interesting to us, but the honeymoon was deeply interesting.
1: Like, going on a trip. <laughs>
0: but picking out like centerpieces and napkins and doing a guest la- like that seems like totally that's, that's like a logistical hell
1: yeah like i i never wanted to have babies i never wanted to get married like those things were never of any sort of interest to me and are
0: you do you feel okay because i you know that totally fine obviously it's a um it's a fine choice in life <laughs> but these things too can be fluid like do you feel really solid in that or do you feel like there's like at least an opening that that could change
1: no i mean i feel like i'm it's probably gonna stay that way, and I know, like, I've had friends who like hit a particular age, and they're like, "Oh my god, baby, 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 baby." Yeah, ask how old you are. Uh, I'm 38. Okay. Um. So I mean, if that happens, it happens. You don't look
0: 38. Oh, and thanks. And I'm not just saying what, that. I look
1: 37.
0: No, you look significantly younger.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, no. I mean, if it happens, it happens, right? Like that, you know. And you know, the other thing is, is like, I mean, God, I'm telling you everything. I can't have babies, anyways. Fortunately, so oh, I mean, you can't. Mm-mm. Oh. like, well, my that takes, that
0: takes some of the pressure. Yeah, off.
1: my 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 reproductive organs are all like goofy. <laughs> so yeah, I can't have kids anyways. So
0: you found that out when?
1: I found that out last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, my gynecologist was like, "Guess what." <laughs>
0: Thank God yeah. that's off the table. Yeah, your
1: ovaries are assholes. So. <laughs>
0: um. All right, so get back to childhood. Oh, uh- <laughs> your father is an uh, is a hobbyist, ar- uh, archaeologist, yeah. school administrator. Yeah. Uh, what was mom up to?
1: My mom, well, my mom is from Mexico, so my dad went down to Mexico and got her and brought her back here. How did they meet? Um. He was teaching at this school called the American School, and then- In- in Mexico, in Guadalajara, in Guadalajara. so okay. it was like it was like a private school where like uh, like diplomats' kids went. Sure, yeah, and like uh, and so then they started dating, and I think my mom initiated it. Like my mom's like kind of aggressive. And then, like, courted him, and then they got married, and then came up here. And then, um, wait,
0: so how did they, how did you, what do you mean she courted him? Just like she, they, like, bought
1: him flowers and wooed him. She did, yeah, she wooed him. She's crazy for a Mexican woman, especially in the 70s. Like, you don't do that, That's you don't awesome. woo a man and become a chemist. Like, yeah.
0: I think more women need to woo men. <laughs> I think women need to woo men more often. They
1: need, we need more woo men. Well,
0: yeah, well, here's the thing, though, <laughs> is that like, it depends on the temperament of the person. Mm -hmm. um like because the wooing it should be a two-way street when it comes to wooing but like
1: do men like
0: to be wooed certain men are are not as aggressive as other men Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they're not virile or masculine or whatever you know some guys like to go out and they like to hunt you know that's maybe not the right word but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they like to be that guy yeah uh they like the
1: chase or whatever they
0: like the chase other men they might be perfectly good people um, great uh, You know Perspective uh, Spouses or partners But they just Happen to be shy Sure They might not be Able to mm-hmm. To do the wooing But if you've got The wooing ability then The maybe,
1: wooing of the woman
0: Yeah Why doesn't the woman Woo more often
1: I mean culturally are you will, You're are
0: willing just, to woo
1: I'm willing to woo But yeah. I'm also willing To be wooed Yeah Like You know I go both ways When it comes to wooing <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's a very fluid Wooing situation You know, it's just, I feel like traditional, those traditional like uh, roles, you know, the guy's got to be the wooer.
1: No, it's true. And like, I think, I just think that's so rad that my mom did that. And so then when my mom came here, she, um, she had to go through all this, she would have had to have gone through all this crap to continue being a chemist here in the United States. So rather than do that, she decided to go into education. So she became an elementary school teacher. Okay. So she and my father were both involved in public education.
0: And, and now look at you. You're and now look at me. You're, I'm a flipping teacher. You're carrying the torch. I know, right? So, any siblings?
1: Yeah, I have a brother and sister. It's their birthday today. Happy birthday. Twins? Twins. Ident- yeah. I, mean, I guess,
0: no, not identical. but uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, younger?
1: Uh, yes, younger. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Happy yeah. Happy family. Up in Santa Maria. Mm,
1: well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Every family's got their shit. Yeah, of course. Got its shit. Some
1: shits are bigger than others, but yes. You guys definitely. got stuff?
0: You got some shit? Oh, I mean,
1: of course we do. Yeah? yeah.
0: I mean, you weren't goth for nothing.
1: Right? I mean, goth doesn't happen by accident. Right. So, yeah. what was
0: it? You're, you're a kid, you're hormonal, whatever, all the normal teenage stuff. You're realizing, uh, you know, that you're kind of realizing. Things about your identity, Mm -hmm. like realizing in like, what is it, you know, making, how early is it made conscious? I guess it's not completely tied to adolescence when you start to realize, oh, I'm a person of color. In this world, and that presents like how early did that present? All these
1: sorts of epiphanies happened for me in junior high because, like I said, when I was a little girl, I had like massive self esteem, and I'd gone to like an elementary school where I was in bilingual classes, Mm. so I didn't really even realize I was Mexican or that being Mexican was a bad thing. It was just a thing. Do you know what I mean? And then when I got to junior high, it was a mostly white junior high, and the the white kids (laughs) made me very aware that I wasn't one of them. Uh. You know what I mean? Like just even what I looked like, I was constantly asked like, why do you, why do you look the way you look or why do you talk the way you talk? And, and so I was made sort of aware of that. And then like in junior high, like also puberty hit. So you're like, Oh my God, what's that? You know, there's (laughs) hair there and you know what I mean? All sorts of weird things are happening. And then like, um, you know, like just, a bunch of shitty things happened in junior high, which made me lose my faith in adults. And so, I mean, that sort of pushes you. Do you have an abusive adult situation? A goth path? No, I was um, I was abused by a classmate, uh. and um, and a teacher knew about what happened, and he didn't do anything. Uh. And because of that, I was kind of like, oh, I guess adults can't take care of me. I sort of have to take care of myself. So that kind of shifted my view of the whole entire world. Like before that, it was like, oh, adults are my friends. And then after that, it was like, no, they're not.
0: Innocence is gone.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Um, I have a daughter. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: it's like, and she's so sweet right now. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh God, at some point, Mm -hmm. like there's already things, you know, we're like little little friends are starting to be mean and they have fights. It's, I mean, it's little stuff, but you start to see the cracks and you're like, and it's really sad because- Uh, Young children really do have it figured out in so many ways Mm -hmm. in terms of how they socialize and how they feel about themselves and how they just live. They have so much fun. Sure. (laughs) It's effortless. Yeah. And then we get to a certain point and uh, there's like the fall from grace. It -hmm. it happens one way or another to us all,
1: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: but it sounds like yours was- uh, Seventh grade. Seventh grade.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I fell from grace in seventh grade.
0: And that's dark though. You had somebody like a classmate of yours was abusive to you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's gross, but it happens.
0: Um, What about spiritual stuff? Like, were you raised religious?
1: Spiritual stuff. Okay, so I was raised, like, with some Catholicism, but it wasn't, like, intense, like, guilt-tripping Catholicism.
0: So it wasn't, you weren't, like, fully indoctrinated.
1: No, like, we went to church. Like, we would go, like, we would go through, like, church going, um, uh, what would phases like there'd be a phase where for whatever reason we were going to church semi-regularly and then it would sort of wane and wax and wane like that. I think depending on like, you know how my parents finances were.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Come on kids, you gotta go pray.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like kind (laughs) kind of like that. And then, um, and then, uh, and then I went to catechism like Uh, to make my first communion. Sure. And that was like, whatever. Um, I remember though, there was a day where our nun Like the nun that was teaching us brought a bottle of holy water from Lourdes from the spring at Lourdes and it's supposed to be like miracle water, like healing water. Right. And she passed it around the room and let all of us hold the little bottle in our hands. And I was so tempted to pound it like a <laughs> shot because I was like, this is going to make me fucking awesome. Right. But I was like, mm, no, yeah. I, I can't do this. But I was like itching to do it. I remember like having a moment when I was holding it in my so hand. It's like, like the Lord of the Rings. Do or die, do or die. Yeah. yeah. And then I like, oh, I died a little bit inside as I passed it to the next kid.
0: So, but you didn't have, like, when we talk about this fall or, like, you know, this kind of, like, junior high moment where things turn dark, um, there wasn't, like, some sort of God concept that you had had that was also shattered in the process of this. where Like, you know, it's one thing to think, like, uh, you know, oh, the adults in my life are able to take care of stuff. And keep me safe. Yeah. And then to have that illusion stripped away is painful. Sure, But then I think sometimes, too, like, it can also be painful if, like, you've been brought up to believe that, like... You know, there's this like benevolent man in the sky. Well, or I had that
1: happen with Santa Claus.
0: Uh, well, right. Which is like a, a kind of a microcosm of the God thing.
1: It is. And I was really pissed about that. I was talking about <laughs> this the other night with my boyfriend that I believed in Santa Claus for an inordinately long time because I didn't want to believe that my parents were liars. That was why I chose to believe.
0: Okay. See, so this is good to hear because my daughter, this is interesting because my <laughs> daughter, I want to say, age three. Was it last year? I guess age four, age three, age four was asking me, like, is it real? Mm-hmm. And I, I struggle with this because I, I do not want to lie to my kid. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, honey, what do you think? And then like, like I think last year I was like, it's it's a guy in a suit. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a guy in a suit. Yeah. It's mommy and daddy. But you know what's weird? She still believes. Like she, she oh, ha- that's interesting. She sort of like hung on anyway. Yeah,
1: I totally did. And like kids at school were all outing Santa like through fifth and sixth grade, right? Like, he's not real. Santa's your mom. Santa's your dad. And I was like, fuck you. Santa's real. (laughs) And then, like, I remember, I think I hung on to, like, seventh grade. Again, this is the year of the fall. Where, like, I remember one night my mom was like, medium, I have to talk to you. And I was like, what? And she's like, I am Santa Claus. (laughs) And And I was so pissed because I knew Yeah. But it was just so disappointing to hear her tell me that she was Santa. And I just didn't understand the reason for the ruse. And I felt like a fool for having defended like the validity of Santa in front of all these kids who knew otherwise. And I had to like, I had to excuse myself from the room to go cry because I was so disappointed in my mother. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I took it hard. uh, When we finish this interview, I'm going to go inside and (laughs) tell my daughter, I'm going to sit her down. (laughs) shatter the Easter bunny, Santa Claus, the tooth fairy, all of it. And it is, you know, these traditions are sort of uh, ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not sure about them.
1: Yeah. My best friend, uh, one of my best friends, uh, she told me, like, she's a really staunch atheist. And she told me that she's raising her son to believe in Santa so that she can shatter his illusion and tell him Jesus (laughs) is the same damn thing. So (laughs) they...
0: That's a little hardcore.
1: So this is that hardcore. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, you're a balls to the wall atheist." Yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's so the she- thing
0: about atheism is it sometimes atheism strikes me as being very similar to religion in yeah. a sense because it's like it's like a very strong belief.
1: Yeah, my mother attacked me. It's the only time she's ever attacked me when I, when I professed my atheism to her. Was
0: this in your goth phase? Yes. Of course. I
1: was 16, <laughs> and we were doing the dishes together. Yes. I was washing. She was drying. And for some reason, we were talking about religion. And then I said something like, Mommy, I don't believe in God. And I turned to her to grab you know, whatever or to hand her something, and I saw a cup flying at my head. And I had to duck and Whoa. it was just her, like she was just so pissed that I had like. So she's a believer. Damned myself. Oh yeah. My mom, but see, I feel like my mom loves the Virgin Mary more than she loves Jesus. Okay. Like when she beseeches, she doesn't beseech God, she beseeches the Virgin. The Virgin. Which I feel better about because she's a goddess. you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. like the
0: Virgin. My grandmother had a Virgin Mary statue in her front lawn. Yeah, I there's remember that growing up. There are a
1: lot of virgins in my parents' house. <laughs> are there?
0: <Yeah>. Virgins everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. What happened to you? Ah!
0: My yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but uh okay, but it didn't really take. It doesn't seem like your parents really hammered like even though your mom's a believer and, you know, threw a cup at your head when you said that you didn't believe. Yeah. It doesn't seem like if, you know, you weren't forced to go oh, to church no. Or no, no, did... no,
1: no, no. Plus I'm really really stubborn, and so it was sort of like you know, but I did go to Catholic school in high school, Okay, but that wasn't so much to indoctrinate me religiously. It was to make sure that I had a high fence surrounding me <laughs> so that I couldn't like come and go at my pleasure. Um, uh, Wait
0: a minute. So like, the, was it a boarding school?
1: No, it wasn't a boarding school. It was a private school and it was like a closed campus because the public high school was open and my parents knew that like I would be partying if I was allowed over there. So they made sure that I was in this in the, in the Catholic school. Okay,
0: so yeah. you're you're in uh, high school was when the goth thing happens. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, you doing drugs?
1: <laughs> I uh, I'll pass on discussing that.
0: Okay. Yeah. What about later in life?
1: Um, is, it, I'll, is it a full pass? Uh, it's a full pass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fine, in case parents listen. Pa-
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mom and dad. Yeah,
0: She's taking a full pass. I'm
1: taking a full pass.
0: That's merciful. You're sparing your parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's scary, you know, because like the thing about it is is when it comes to that stuff is that if you're a, a, so many of us do dumb things. Of course. When we're young. In fact, almost everybody Mm -hmm. to greater and lesser degrees, but especially if you get into chemicals and you're Mm. experimenting in that way, um, when you're in it and you're doing it, it's one thing when it's your kid. It's terrifying.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, and I precious can Precious little kids, especially yeah. you when know,
0: you grew up, you, you watch them grow from nothing. Like, they grow up and then they start, like, dropping acid and stuff. And it's, <laughs> it's not what you want to think about.
1: <laughs> oh, God. I remember kids doing drugs um, on grad night when uh-huh. I was in high school, like grad night when you go to Disneyland and then they lock you in Disneyland with all the other seniors. and is that, I remember is, that, is
0: that like multiple high schools? Oh yeah,
1: a shitload of high schools like take over Disneyland. And
0: all the kids are doing drugs? All
1: the kids are on drugs and I remember our class stoner was totally like tripping and we were on, what is that stupid ride, Star Tours? The one that yeah. like flies around, we were on that and I remember just looking up and seeing his hand reaching out for the stars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what was the class stoner's name for just first? name? Clint. Of course. Right? Isn't yeah. that the
1: best Notre Dame? Flipping yeah. Clint. Yeah. yeah.
0: Every class mm. has one.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, he wore a leisure suit to the prom.
0: But you had I mean, you had some fun in high school? Yeah, I
1: had fun in high school. You did? I didn't think that I was having fun in high school, but in retrospect, I had fun.
0: But you were ready to get out of there when it was
1: over? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was ready. Like, I really wanted to be in a city. And I felt like... uh like my town was really pedestrian and. Mundane. Where did you want to go?
0: Where did you? Env- just
1: anywhere metropolitan. Like I anywhere. just wanted to really wanted to be somewhere metropolitan, and so I applied to universities that were in cities. Like I applied to UCLA and I applied to Berkeley, so I could be near San Francisco, and um, and then I wound up going to Berkeley. And. And it was rad. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved going to Berkeley. Yeah, you had a
0: good time. I had
1: a very good time. What happened there? Um. Well, I. I just I had adventures. I had a lot of adventures. Like what?
0: Um, <laughs> we're, we're dancing around this.
1: Um, let's see. Um, I I mean I feel like a lot of my adventures had to do with like just discovering like queer culture, like because I had not had access to that at all in San Maria.
0: Did you have any uh, experiences, like, like queer experiences when you were in high school?
1: Of course. yeah. I had my first girlfriend in high school. Oh, you Like, did. I was, like, undercover lesbian.
0: Okay, but you weren't and out then, to your family. No,
1: I did. I came out to my mom, and then I tried to come out to my mom, and then she insisted that I wasn't gay, and so I was like, okay.
0: She threw a cup at your head. I guess
1: I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I got a boyfriend, Uh huh. just because it was like, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. So then I got one and did that. And like it was stupid.
0: You weren't into him. I
1: wasn't into he was just dumb.
0: What happened to the girlfriend?
1: Um, oh, she broke up with me. She dumped me for a white girl. Damn. I know. That's harsh. I know. A white girl. A white girl. (laughs) I know. And then and then yeah, and then I had a boyfriend, and then and then he was a weirdo and he was like kinda age inappropriate. How so? Like gross. He was like seven years older than me. And where'd you meet this guy? At the record store. He worked at the record store, uh-huh. and he was in a band, and he played bass. And so it was like, oh, cool. He's like a cool guy. Bass know? players. They always, get, they always get the girls. Ugh. It's so gross now that I think about it. But, um... Uh... Ew, and he would like try to teach me things Do you know what i mean <laughs> he'd be like miriam this is an example of pop art and i'd be like you fucking asshole i know who andy warhol is you know what i mean like yeah he had this weird sort of like pedagogical thing happening between us and yeah. i was just like this is so dumb like i know these things and then some but whatever i just figured like i'm supposed to be this vessel that he's supposed to fill with things so i'll just be passive and let him
0: and how long did that go on for?
1: Um, until I graduated.
0: And then you got out of there. And then
1: I got out of there and then I went to Berkeley and then I was like kind of just freewheeling until Give I met. Give me a story. What?
0: One, let's, let, let's hear a Berkeley story.
1: A Berkeley story. Um...
0: Where did you live? Who are you from? Well, with? I
1: lived, at first I lived in the dorms and uh, I lived in like a triple. So three of us shared a room and um um let's see one of my roommates was this chicana girl i got along really well with her and then my other and i'm still friends with her and then this our other roommate was this girl who would like frequently fall asleep when i was talking to her and i was like what the Fuck is wrong with you? She She's a fucking bitch. She was narcoleptic. Yeah,
0: like really narcoleptic. Yeah, but
1: she didn't know at the time. So I just <laughs> thought she thought know? I was boring. How can you
0: not know? That she, she
1: didn't know <laughs> because she has like a sort of like mild narcolepsy. Because like she doesn't have cataplexy. She has like um like it's like like a lot of narcoleptics know that sleep is coming they can kind of sense it oh okay um and that's kind of that's what she has so if she's seated she can just sort of she'll just fall asleep but if she's sort of walking around she doesn't collapse into a puddle she'll kind of know it's coming oh okay um so she can do some preemptive action, um, but like
0: what? You, lie down?
1: Yeah, like like it, it happened a couple times where like she would just sort of disappear, and I would know oh, oh I got to go find her in the bathroom because she'd go find like the roomiest stall and just curl up and just she'd be out
0: on the bathroom floor. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know It's not sanitary, but that's narcolepsy. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> sorry, bro, that's narcolepsy.
1: Yeah. I mean it was kind of, I mean it was kind of amazing to watch. She's really smart. She's the, narco- the narcoleptic girl. She's yeah. so 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 smart. you still smart. in touch with her? Totally. She works for the Government Accountability Office now. The oh. GAO. Okay. Yeah, they oversee congressional spending.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like an important job.
1: Totally. Can't
0: fall asleep She's on Totally the ch- not
1: asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: She's in, I'm just picturing her in some sort of like like vast bureaucracy, just sleeping at her desk.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine like a cubicle with the letter Z coming out of it. <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> uh, so, okay. So you're in Berkeley. You're in the mm-hmm. dorms. You're mm-hmm. going wild. You're dating.
1: Mm, well, like I'm not so much dating as I am just curious about things. I'm more just sort of watching So things, what, you're
0: hooking like. up with people?
1: No, 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 no. I'm more just like, ooh, like just curious, like making out with people just making out and then um and then
0: you writer at this I point I had
1: sort of like I was writing but like just for myself like not really
0: But I mean were you identifying were you thinking like I'm going to make I'm going to make books Oh
1: no no uh-uh no 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 I I had really enjoyed writing in high school, like my junior and senior years, I got really into writing. And then when I went to Berkeley, I wasn't so into it. I was hardly writing at all. Um, the first like two or three years that I was there. Um, and so I would write a little bit,
0: what kind of stuff, um, poetry,
1: a little bit of poetry and some short stories. Um, what
0: were you, were you reading anything that was really like, uh, hitting you? that age Um,
1: you know what not in in college in college i was reading like a lot of like women's studies and gender studies and queer theory kind of stuff um and what was your major my major was history i had thought that i was going to be an english major and then i took an english class and i got a b and i was like fuck that
0: you wanted to get straight a's yes really Uh, yeah you're a good student and
1: then well in the things that i like Okay. Like if I don't like it, I don't care if I fail, but if I like it, I'm going to do well.
0: What was your GPA?
1: <laughs> Did you graduate?
0: meaning mean like magna cum laude or? Like...
1: Uh, from Berkeley? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You... Well, some kind of cum laude.
0: Yeah. <laughs> some, some sort of cum laude. Um, is it, it is cum laude, it isn't is, it? It uh, is. Yeah. Okay. I never know.
1: Um. But, yeah, I had, like a, a, uh, like, a high GPA. I can't remember what it was. I'm not good with numbers. But
0: you were a good student.
1: Yeah, I was a good student. You weren't and so, skipping class. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I was a nerd. Um, and then I took an art class because I thought maybe I'll be an artist. And I got a B in art. And I was like, fuck this. Damn. And so then... You
0: set a high standard for yourself.
1: Yeah. But who gets an art, Who gets a B in art? That's <laughs> bullshit. It's like
0: getting a B in gym or something. Right? Yeah. Well, I
1: got a C in gym. Oh, you did? Yeah. Because, remember, I wouldn't change my clothes. Oh, and right. I had well, a record. That's, you yeah. should
0: get a C. Yeah. Putting your gym shorts And I on. had a
1: record for the longest mile. I had a 30 minute mile. <laughs> I was so proud of it. <laughs> uh, it's the only athletic that's record a, I've ever said.
0: Sort of a righteous C.
1: Isn't it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like I got C's in PE and religion.
0: And religion. Mm-hmm. Was that some sort of protest?
1: I mean, because I knew that there, I, there was like my paper GPA, my academic GPA, and I knew that for my academic GPA, the gym and the religion would get deducted. Oh. So I knew that I could fuck up in those classes, and the UCs wouldn't care.
0: They're calculated exactly. All right. So it was strategic you got into berkeley it's a good school mm-hmm. and how long were you there for you were there for your four years of i year? was
1: there for one extra year because i had a math requirement that i want i needed to fulfill and i was so scared to do it that it took me an extra year i just kept procrastinating the math
0: because you don't like math
1: i hate math i don't like numbers they're not my friends at all no
0: you good at managing money
1: oh god no. just do, like don't get just don't like i get math anxiety <laughs>
0: My wife has that. Okay. Did you ever have a teacher that told you you were not good at math?
1: No, I never had a teacher. Who my told wife, me had, that I my wasn't wife had my wife had a teacher
0: who like pulled her aside and was like, "You suck at this," or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. she's always had a phobia of math ever since.
1: Oh, that's, that's the narrative. Sad. That's the narrative that she has. <laughs> I mean, I did have some exceptionally crappy math teachers, but they never said anything like directly demoralizing to me. Okay. But I did have some very crappy ones. Like, I remember the first really crappy math teacher I had was named Dr. Hooker.
0: Dr. Hooker? Mm-hmm. At a Catholic he school?
1: He was an asshole. That was in junior high. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Dr. Hooker at a Catholic Dr. school. Dr.
1: Hooker. Oh, my <laughs> God. Right? Dr. Hooker at a Catholic school would have been the best, but I'm trying to remember if we had anybody with a fun name at the Catholic school.
0: Were you taught by nuns?
1: Um, I had... Have- two nuns i had my french teacher was a nun sister regine hmm. and my english teacher was a nun sister sheila get along um sister regine thought i was loud and so she was just always saying shut up <laughs> and then sister <laughs> sheila sister sheila liked me good enough um well enough because i did well in her class
0: new teacher's pedant for anybody
1: no not at all uh uh-uh, because i talk too much like there's always like shut up, shut up, shut up. So. But you're a talker. Yeah. Makes
0: it easy for me. And.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so Berkeley. Yeah. You finish.
1: Yeah. I You graduate. I mm-hmm. Cum laude. <laughs> some
0: some variation <laughs> of cum laude. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, and then what?
1: Um. Well, I was like unsure of what to do because I had my degree in history. And I had gotten the degree in history because I had learned that like, that was the number one major of, uh, uh, incoming law students or first year law students. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to go to law school. But I did an internship at a courthouse one summer and I was like, "Mm -mm, I do not want to be a lawyer. So I was like, Oh, okay. I have this history degree. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. So I graduated with that degree and I wasn't really sure what I was gonna do and I didn't want to teach only because my parents taught and I was like, I don't wanna be like them. I wanna do something different. So I went to work at the university just as like a I was an assistant to a professor for a little while. And then I also At at Berkeley, yeah. Um I mean it was basically like a secretarial job. Um for like I worked with this economist and then oh, and we were I worked in Evans Hall, which is like the math slash econ building. And like I was like kind of starstruck. There were like Nobel Nobel laureates like in in the econ department, and like anybody uh, we would know. No, <laughs> and then um, oh, and then uh, and then there was also a rumor that Ted Kaczynski had had an office there, the Unabomber. Oh, yeah. so that was kind of cool. <laughs> and then um, and that was a building that people frequently jumped from to commit suicide. Yeah, how tall? I was one of the it was one of the tallest buildings on campus. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes I'd look out the window just to see if, you know. Well, it's like that and then in the Bay
0: Area, the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge.
1: Yeah, yeah. people do
0: their jumping. They
1: do. But I think
0: they're putting they up do. a barrier on there, aren't they?
1: I don't know if they're putting up a barrier, but there's like a lot of signs and like there's like little stations where you can like, I think, call like a hotline. I want to say, help. I want
0: to say they just like city council or something just passed.
1: Oh, okay.
0: A resolution because, you know, that many people are jumping. It's like, just put up a net or something. Yeah. Right?
1: I would suppose, yeah. You think. But you people, don't think. Wanna,
0: people don't want to mar the aesthetic of the bridge. Yeah,
1: because the bridge is really pretty. It is. I mean, without having to have that fly catcher underneath. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't have to save them after they land in the net. They're just, they just hanging in the net. Think things over. Uh, uh,
1: yeah, and so I was an assistant to a professor, and then I had an internship at a now defunct magazine called On Our Backs. Which was a lesbian sex magazine. All right. Um, And so, yeah. So, I did that for a while. And that was, like, my first, like, editorial experience. And it was really... It was fun and interesting. Like, I mean, it was a sex magazine.
0: You learn a lot, but I mean, you go to a small... Uh, I'm assuming it was a small circulation.
1: Yeah. Relatively. Yeah.
0: And uh, But you get to do... You probably get to do a lot more in that environment than you would get to do at, like, a more, like, corporate...
1: Oh, totally. Totally. Because you know? totally, it was very DIY. Yeah. Um, And, like... All women and queer people working there and it was just it was cool it was really cool and i met like a lot of people who i'm still like sort of in touch with so. Are you uh,
0: in, in? this is in berkeley or in san francisco the
1: the that office was in san francisco
0: okay yeah so how long were you up in the bay area total so
1: uh in total i think i was up there for about five ish five and a half ish maybe six years
0: and then you tapped out
1: yeah and then by then i had met my girlfriend who would later become my wife and Like things were expensive in the Bay Area, and then like a lot of my friends had graduated and they had moved south or to New York or whatever, and so I was like, "Well, it's going to keep getting more expensive here, so maybe we should go to Southern California because a) it's cheaper there, we'll be closer to my family, and um, it'll just be better." So we moved down to Long Beach because my sister was already here, and then she moved to Brooklyn. She did. Mm -hmm. What is she doing in Brooklyn? Well, She got a husband. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. She, um, she, she, my sister is a Hasidic Jew. She is. Yeah.
0: That's a conversion. Right. When did that happen?
1: That happened when she was in college.
0: How's the family doing with that?
1: Uh, I mean, it's kosher. Okay. That's cool. I don't even know what that it's entails.
0: There's there's Hasidic Jews all over Los Angeles. There
1: are. There's some like right nearby. Yeah,
0: I'm sure they, they my neighbors could be Hasids. Like, <laughs> I don't have no idea. I'm just like mm-hmm. this is a thing about me, is that like I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, oh that looks like that looks hot. The clothing.
1: Oh, totally. All summer long
0: we're in the wool and yeah, just like, this looks yeah. uncomfortable.
1: Well, like I mean there's there like you have to be modest, so you have to be extremely covered. Like my is sister has to be covered to her wrists and to her ankles. Okay. So the women Just who are like. skirts. Okay, yeah. Okay. That's what it is. Yeah. That's Hasidic. And yeah. then an unmarried woman can show her hair, but a married woman has to cover her hair. Right. And so my sister has to wear a wig out of modesty to cover her hair. Um, Wait,
0: she but she's married. Yeah. Married women can or they cannot? They have to cover their oh, hair. Oh, they have to.
1: Yeah. Only their family can see their hair.
0: Yes. Okay, so here I was just thinking about this. I was just thinking about this, and I forget what it was, but I think it was like some picture I saw online of uh, Muslim women wrapped up in the burkas mm-hmm. in the heat. It's mm-hmm. always the heat for me. I'm always, yeah. like, I'm always like, ah, oh, this just looks uncomfortable. But this is a genuine question for me as a person who considers himself of liberal bent mm-hmm. on social issues. Mm-hmm. Want to be accepting. Mm-hmm. You know, all those, I mean, mm-hmm. right? You want to, yeah. tolerant, a accepting of people and different ways of life and modes of yeah. being. So there's a part of me that's like, hey, that's their tradition. That's yeah. what they want to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then there's also a part of me that's like, that smells like uh, misogyny and mm-hmm. oppression. Mm-hmm. Like it smells like, it sense, like, I can sense like, oh, well, these traditions like making women cover up like this. Uh, there's a part of me that could be persuaded that that's sort of effed up and that like men are are dictating this yeah is that a misreading
1: no i mean i read it similarly especially in that like you know that a that an orthodox man can't you know touch a woman who's not a member of his family especially like you know there are all these taboos surrounding menstruation and that's so shaming and so
0: what are the taboos
1: um I think that, like, a woman is not supposed to be touched by her husband when she's having her period. I think. But See, I'm not certain. But anyways, I, I, I mean, it totally has, like, all of that has, like, a misogynistic flavor for me. This whole idea of a woman having to hyper-cover herself up and right. to be sort of this untouchable thing. And that a woman might be dirty. And so when I'm around orthodox men, I go out of my way to bump into them. just
0: rubbing up against them on the subway pardon me sir yeah well there's like this is the thing too for the men i think that there's some legitimacy to the idea that uh this level of sexual repression is maybe not healthy and could lead to uh aggressive behavior or frustration that could manifest negatively
1: oh totally i mean
0: my god
1: yeah you can't
0: see a woman they're covered up i mean that's not healthy yeah it's I think.
1: goofy. I think it's goofy. All right. Because
0: um, like, it's a weird it's a weird irony of liberalism
1: mm-hmm.
0: that if you say these kinds of things, you can be attacked as being like uh, Islamophobic mm-hmm. or you could be, I guess, like Hasidophobic. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, wait, but I'm trying to parse this mm-hmm. and make sure that like women's interests are considered. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it gets it gets sure. delicate. It gets delicate and yeah, very tangled. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: All right. So that's interesting, though. That your sister met a guy and she converted.
1: Oh, she didn't convert for him. She converted before him.
0: Oh, she did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What was the impetus?
1: The impetus. Oh yeah,
0: I'm just curious. I mean, like, did you have? I don't have know. A, I like
1: to tell people that's between her and Hashem. Hashem is like the Hebrew word for God. Because I really, I like, you know, I mean, I think spiritual conversion is such a. Um, Personal such things. a singular personal yeah. sort of introspective thing that well, I will have to like have like, her on the show <laughs> 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 that's um, funny.
0: all right and so what's brother doing
1: my brother uh, does something with computers all right but that's as much as I can explain it like it's really Numbers. esoteric to me because again Binary it's zeros code. and ones yeah. and ones and zeros smart guy R- he's really smart where's he living he lives in Santa Maria oh he does Okay. yeah he's really into martial arts and reptiles Oh my god!
0: <laughs> I can see him.
1: Can you see him? Oh yes. yeah, just totally.
0: Coding and mm-hmm. with a lizard
1: st- on one shoulder and, just, and some nunchucks hand. yeah, yeah. Just breaking two
0: by fours and totally. coding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you get along with your siblings?
1: Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no tension. I'm, um. Well, you know, I mean, my sister's far. I haven't seen her in a while, but my brother's close, so I see my brother a lot more, and I talk to my brother a lot more. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: And. uh and your parents are good. You guys have a good family. It's good. I
1: think so, yeah. Right. Yeah. Grandma
0: gave you her pickup truck?
1: Well, sort of. Sort <laughs> of. I mean, I inherited it in a more roundabout way, okay. but yeah. It wasn't
0: like bequeathed to you specifically? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. It wasn't bequeathed to me. Beque- <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um,
0: mm. All right. So when did you when did you start to become a writer? When did this happen for you?
1: Um. So I've always liked making things so when i was a little girl i liked like writing in a diary or like hanging out with other kids and like coming up with sort of fantasies and then writing down the fantasies um but i also really liked drawing and collaging you're, good, a, are, you're a good visual artist i wouldn't say that i was good but i was avid
0: you gotta be you gotta be in <laughs> painting so.
1: um my yeah. grandmother was a painter like as a hobbyist oh, okay. and so i liked watching her draw and she would often um, have me sit for her, and she would like draw portraits of me. And so then I then I then like I got this idea. I want to be like Abuelita, and so I would do the same thing. And I'd be like, I'm going to draw just like her. So it felt like um like a very familiar thing to like pick up a sketch pad and draw because this is what this like other woman in my family was. It's doing. It's
0: amazing how much. The adults in our lives, when we're kids, influence us.
1: Totally. Absolutely. Like, who knows if I would have developed that interest had it not been for spending, like, so much time with her.
0: My daughter is going to wind up in a garage. Uh,
1: She's going to be a mechanic. (laughs) She's going to be be an auto mechanic. (laughs) That's funny. Like
0: a beekeeper.
1: That is so funny. Um, So, so yeah. So, I was really interested in art um, because of that. And then... um, It was really, like, in high school that I was like, ooh, I really like literature, and I really like poetry, and I really like novels, and maybe I should write one, you know? Um, And so... I started writing, um, like, really maniacally, like, in 11th and 12th grade. I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And then I did research on writers who I admired.
0: Who were. And then
1: learned about, like, their writing process. Like, I would read about Sylvia Plath and her writing process. And then I was like, oh, well, if it took X, Y, and Z to become Sylvia Plath, then I should do these things in my life.
0: Okay. Stop right here. Because this, this seems to me like something that is so obvious and... Uh it's just an obvious way to learn how to do it. But so few people seem to make it explicit.
1: Yeah. But it's
0: like, if you want to learn how to do something, read about the lives of people who have done it before that's exactly what I did. I sat down with all these
1: biographies and I was like, okay, what did they do? How can I do that? And then I had like a DIY writing school for myself where I was just like, okay, well I'm going to mimic these writers and just do what they do and then eventually I'll be a writer too. <laughs> Which is goofy and as Diane hell to be like a suicide. little high school girl like doing this. Yeah. And yeah. Um
0: But you learn what not to do as well.
1: <laughs> sort of. Uh, of. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh do I have to do these things too? <laughs> 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 um but yeah, that that was sort of what I did. And then when I got to college I became less interested in writing, but then th- then Like, my interest in it returned. Do
0: you still have those journals from high school?
1: No, I threw them all away. Why? Um, Did you you
0: reread them, and were you like, oh, God?
1: No. I went through, like, this really intense period of, like, anxiety and depression. When? And I hated seeing them, and so I just threw them all away. Um, When I first moved to Berkeley, I went through, like, this bout of, like... There's more anxiety than depression. And I had all this anxiety about what I had written and so I just rather than face it, I threw it all away.
0: Do you regret it?
1: Yeah, totally. What were you But again about? I'm really impulsive where I'll just be like, I hate this and so rather than like putting it like on the back burner, I'll destroy it.
0: Right. Light it on fire. Am.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what I did.
0: Uh, you did? Yeah. You burned it? Well, them? I didn't
1: burn it, but oh. I threw it away and then I poured, like, rubbing alcohol or something like that on it just to, like, destroy it. And I think my sister went and, like, pulled some scraps out. Like, there's still, like, a few papers that my sister saved because she felt so bad for my writing because she knew how hard I'd worked on it. But oh. isn't that sweet? Was there
0: anything in there you think that would be worth salvaging? I, don't I mean, know. other than for, like, personal or sentimental reasons. Because mm-hmm. at that age, it's pretty hard to. I mean, you know, every once in a while there's a kid or some sort of like yeah. prodigy who comes out with stuff that's sure. just like super, um, uh, you know, advanced or developed. That's
1: probably all trash. Yeah, but I'll I never threw know. I threw
0: away all of my journals from uh, when I was like twenty twenty one. Yeah, nineteen. All of them. I because mm-hmm. you know what I did? I reread them. Mm-hmm. I should have never done that. But I, <laughs> I think I made the right call. Mm-hmm. If my children were to read that someday. They wouldn't be like, "Wow, Dad was a very sensitive, reflective young man." <laughs> They'd mm-hmm. be like, "What the fuck was his problem?" It's like, yeah, so you know, because you did. I used, I just called them my whining books. There's so much whining.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess
0: you got to get it out somewhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Um. It's so, okay. So you destroyed that, but you, I didn't, you didn't mention earlier that when you got to Berkeley, you got all anxious.
1: Yeah, was I have it? anxiety.
0: You do. Mm-hmm. I don't sense that from you.
1: <laughs> really? No. For real?
0: Well, I mean, I don't. know. I mean, you seem like you're like. Uh, a high-energy person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. there could be a component of anxiety in I that.
1: think that there's some interplay. Like, yeah. um, well, like, my anxiety tends to be sort of of the O C D flavor. Like that that I, I have obsessive compulsive disorder.
0: Like what like you washing your hands a lot? No,
1: no. Just like I get intrusive thoughts and then I, I I I have historically done like these compulsions to make the thoughts um lessen. And then I also have post traumatic stress disorder. From um I was sexually assaulted and when I was nineteen.
0: After the, the mm-hmm. so they had the junior high and then it happened again? Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. hell. Yeah, so I was sexually assaulted when I was nineteen, and um, that at was at Berkeley. Just, no, it was the summer that I came home. Um, after my freshman year, I was assaulted by this man, and it turned out that he was uh, doing this to lots of women. And he uh, got caught because he raped and murdered one of us. Jesus. He got, yeah. So. So what
0: happened to you? Like, I mean, I know he, he assaulted you, but like, where were you?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I don't want to talk about the details, but I was walking home after having volunteered as a docent um, at an art gallery, and then he tackled me and then assaulted me. Jesus. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm sorry that happened.
1: Thank you. That stinks. <sighs> it does, yeah.
0: So you have PTSD from that. Yes. And um, how does that manifest? And like, have you... Do you
1: Hypervigilance. Do you... Okay. Like, I think I, I'm very easily startled, and I'm very sort of hyper alert because sort of... My bar for alertness has been set a little higher as a result of that incident. Okay. Where I'm always just a little bit like, okay, who's behind me? Right. Because, you know, there could be some lunatic behind me, you you know? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm feeling bad for having you in this garage. (laughs)
0: Like, you know, no, 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 my- <laughs> it's fine because
1: I have the door behind me, so it's totally cool.
0: <laughs> I always, whenever I, whenever I shut that door, I'm like, I'm just doing this for the sound. Like, no, no, people no, no, could no, 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 don't worry, don't right. worry, it's I feel fine. like, and I feel like too, like maybe uh, martial arts could be something. You could, uh- <laughs> your brother, uh, like have you ever considered taking like self-defense classes? As like, would, would that potentially help to uh, mitigate uh, anxiety?
1: It could, it could. You know, I did my first yoga class the other day and mm-hmm. I feel like that was really helpful. What kind of yoga? I don't even know. Al fresco. It was outside. Oh, it was like, outside. <laughs> yeah. Al fresco yoga. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, all right. So you have OCD,
1: mm-hmm. anxiety,
0: PTSD. Yeah. Uh, you treat this with therapy at all?
1: Um. Well, I mean, I have. You have? Okay. I have. Yeah. Okay, it's like
0: not, it's not something that you shouldered entirely on your own, just like trying to figure it out.
1: No, I mean that's a lot to deal with.
0: I was going to say. Yeah,
1: it's a lot to deal with, but, so, I, but I but I but I manage it. Yeah. I'm. I'm cool.
0: Well, the thing too, is that like, I think, uh, you know, not everybody needs to be in therapy for their lives. No, 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 no. no. In fact, you're not
1: supposed to be in therapy. You're supposed to go get what you need and then be done with it. Get your
0: tools. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, like, like methods of coping or coping strategies or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, uh, writing wise, when did you start your book? Your first book.
1: My first book was Dahlia Season, and that book, um, that book was like it was written kind of weirdly. Like uh, I had sh- sent some short, like a like a short story version of the novella to Kevin Samsel. Yeah, who Future Tense. Does Future Tense, and he was like, "Oh, what else do you have?" Um, and I told him that I had some stories and like, I was going to develop that even more. And then he suggested that we do a book. So it like that book kind of happened haphazardly. I mean, all of them kind of have, I did a chat book with him after that first book, Dahlia season, the chat book was called wish you were me. And that happened similarly where I was like, I have a bunch of like things that might be poems, but I'm not even really sure if they're poems. Do you, do you want to do something with them? And he was like, Oh, let's do a chat book and then my um my most recent book came together because um the uh this publisher jen joseph who who like sort of co-published my first book with kevin she um she had read like a story that i published in a chat book called sweatsuits of the damned and um and she asked if i had more stories like that one and i said yes and then she offered to do a book
0: okay so how are you writing these things are you like a disciplined every day sit at the keyboard at the same time Um,
1: you know i was i i have like um i have been very disciplined like um and for a long time i was on a pretty like strict schedule as far as writing like um, I would get up like before school cause I'm like a high school teacher. So I'd get up like around five and then write until it was like time for me to get ready to go to school. Cause I prefer writing in the morning or during the daytime. Um, and then this last year, my life has been kind of wacky, you know? Um, and so that's sort of thrown off my writing schedule, but I try to write every day for at least an hour.
0: It's amazing. I mean, even that bit of time. Yeah. Pages stack up if you do it every day.
1: If you do it every day, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I mean, who doesn't like to write when they're inspired, but I, I try to just, you know, it's like I've made it such a regular practice that I've conditioned myself to, like, turn on that part of my brain when I sit down to write. You yeah. I don't have to, like, you know what I mean? There's, do you need to warm up not, or do you just go right into it? I mean, sometimes I do, will do something to kind of warm up, but um, I don't necessarily need to do that.
0: And you teach high school? Yeah. Like, English?
1: No. What? I don't have an English degree, so I can't teach English. Oh, you teach history or what do you um, what do? You do? M- m- I teach psychology.
0: Interesting. <laughs> How'd you pull that off?
1: <laughs> I have a social science credential. Okay. Psychology is a social science. So okay. as long as you have a social science credential uh, in California, you're qualified to teach any of the social science offerings.
0: I didn't know that's how it works. And that's I mean, how it works. They didn't, they, I don't think they offered psychology in my high school.
1: I took psychology when I was in high school. You did? Yeah. What are you teaching these kids? I hated kids? it. What?
0: What are you teaching these kids?
1: <laughs> right now they're learning about uh, learning and conditioning. Classical versus operant conditioning. Okay. hmm Wow. hmm Do you like it? I love it. Yeah. I love um, working with teenagers because they're weirdos. You know what I mean? It's like...
0: I was just around. My friend is a high school teacher. She teaches art and she comes out here. She lives in Colorado and she mm-hmm. comes out here to... Uh, you know, do a trip with her students, like I think every other year, mm-hmm. and I'll always go join them for dinner. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in this restaurant. And there's like you know 20 young, uh, like art artsy kids. Oh,
1: how wonderful! Yeah,
0: so these are like the 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 best of the weirdos, basically. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I don't,
0: you don't get, you know, at my age, I don't get to hang out with those that, that age range very often. Mm-hmm. And it's it was fun. Like I was, it's like, fun. It like, is. Like they can totally hang. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, it's tempting. I think, especially as you become removed from your high school years and you get into your adult life, it's tempting to like think back on that and just imagine that, like, oh, I was just an idiot back then. Mm -hmm. But you really weren't.
1: No, yeah, I mean, in fact, fact, you you might
0: be more of an idiot now. (laughs) (laughs) In some ways, yeah. You know, there's a clarity, there's an earnestness, there's an energy. There's a lot of I sense so much hopefulness, you know, in those kids. It was Mm kind of it was refreshing to be around. Yeah, their
1: brains are so interesting. Like the teenage brain is really fascinating, and it makes teenagers really unique.
0: Well, it's that's when the brain is at its strongest, is it not? Like developmentally, isn't like in terms of like its its ability to learn.
1: Uh, well their limbic system is really 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 sensitive so emotionally they're hypersensitive right. and it's not because they're choosing to be it's because like neurologically the part of the brain that's emo- like sensitive to emotions is like hyper aroused all the time uh-huh. so they're extremely self-conscious you know
0: but i think like but in- they
1: feel things really exquisitely because of that yeah and then they and then, then that's how they behave in the world as people who are sort of these hypersensitive you know like exquisitely tuned people. And it's really fun to be around that. You're it's
0: surrounded. Really, what are they, what, like, what have you, what does that do to you when you're with those, with people in that age group? day day? in It's and day fun. Out?
1: It's just really fun. It lets me have like fun every day. You know what I mean? Like my job is just not ever boring. Like I never have like a boring day at the office. It's always like, Oh my God, you know what so-and-so said or what I learned from a kid or like what kind of human drama was brought into the classroom. Like, it's really cool. So I dig it yeah Yeah.
0: and it's a good it's a good job to have like in terms of jobs that are symbiotic with writing
1: absolutely yeah I
0: mean you could do worse you have summers off yes Let's see <laughs>
1: yeah nothing wrong with that <laughs> nothing wrong with that yeah
0: you like to travel
1: Um, I do like traveling but I have like I've traveled a lot within the United States like I've seen a lot of this country I think I've seen more of this country than a lot of people have seen because like I've driven back and forth it like a lot of times where's good I mean, I think it's all interesting. It's not all good. Okay,
0: <laughs> like, hey, that was interesting. <laughs> Glad I saw but, that. I will never be back. It's not
1: all good, but it's all interesting. Like,
0: But there's not, like, where, is it, where are places that you could see yourself living? Because I struggle with this.
1: Honestly, I don't ever want to live anywhere but California.
0: That's how I feel.
1: Like, and I realized that when I was a teenager. I remember having this goofy moment standing, like, in, like, a vineyard near my parents' house and feeling, <laughs> Wait, like... <stop. laughs>
0: I was in a vineyard in Southern California in the hills outside of Santa Barbara when I realized, I don't ever want to leave here.
1: (laughs) That's what I I did. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I want to be dead and be here. Like, I had that thought as a kid. I was like, I want to be, like, part of the dirt here. It would be so rad to be part of the dirt here. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so I've always sort of known that, like... Kill me and bury me here, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Scatter my ashes in the hills of Santa Barbara. In the hills of Santa Maria. Or just dump
1: my body off a cliff here. (laughs) (laughs) Let the
0: seagulls eat it.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: Um, Well, I'll tell you what. It's been so fun talking with you. I appreciate you you making the drive up. I'm glad you got some shoes.
1: Thank you. You got to
0: go shopping. You You turned Mm -hmm. this into an experience. I did. I turned it into a day. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, listen, um, congrats on the books. Thank you. uh, The chapbook appearances, the chapbook of your Mm -hmm. own, and I wish you well with whatever comes next.
1: Thank you, Mr. Ellen.
0: Okay. Miriam Gerba, ladies and gentlemen, go get her story collection. It is called Painting Their Portraits in Winter, available now from Manic D Press. You can find Miriam online at schmexican.tumblr.com. And uh, over there on Twitter, her handle there is at lesbrains. At lesbrains. Thanks to Kill Rockstars, as always, for the music. Be sure to check out killrockstars.com. Hey, uh, did you know that this podcast has its own official app that is free? That's right, the Other People app. It's free. Go get it wherever you get your apps. When you do that, the most recent 50 episodes will be waiting for you free of charge. The most recent 50 for free. It's the best and most elegant way to listen. New episodes automatically upload to the app. You don't have to do anything. You can download episodes to listen to while you're offline. And then, if you want to get access to everything, all of the episodes, almost 400 and counting, you just sign up for a premium account right there within the app. It's as cheap as 75 cents a month. It's a great way to support the show. And I would certainly appreciate it if you did that. The Other People app, the app itself is free. Uh, If you want to email me, the address is letters at otherppl.com. Send uh, send word. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you think of the monologues. Is that a representative sample? Is my Twitter following a representative sample of listeners? Or are those uh, superfans who are skewed in favor? Am I living a lie? My monologuing when I should not be monologuing? Do I have an inflated sense of self? Is Twitter uh, messing with my head? Please remember that Wittgenstein had nephews fighting on both sides of World War II and that Diderot died of uh, coronary thrombosis while sitting at dinner. That's all for now. Thank you to Miriam Gerba. Go get her book, her collection of stories. Painting their portraits in winter Thanks to you guys for listening I appreciate it Thank you for listening You, personally, wherever you are Thank you Thanks for uh, spreading the word about the show Person to person Via social media Whatever the uh, method I appreciate that Thank you to my uh, international listeners I know you're out there It's fun to think about the show being listened to in uh, far-flung locales. Why don't you write me a letter? If you're listening to this show and you're halfway around the world, let me know where you are when you're listening to this. What are you doing? How did you find me? So, uh, my son let me sleep last night. It was an unusually brilliant night. Maybe you can hear it in my voice. I'm still caffeinated, but I was able to sleep, and uh, I was gaming it with my wife this morning. I was trying to game it out. Like, what? What did we do? How did this? Why did this happen? How can we replicate this forever? And I was like, you know, we did. I, I took him to the grocery store. I had him in the uh, in the baby Bjorn, like the, ch- on the like baby on the chest. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, he was in the grocery store. He was looking around. He was taking uh, taking everything in. People were kind of talking to him and cooing at him. He was very stimulated, and so I theorized that uh, that this was that this stimulation was the reason why he fell asleep so soundly. So now I'm thinking it's like it's like he's a dog. You got to take him for a walk at night before bed. He needs stimulation. He needs large crowds of people. I'm willing to do that every night. I'll go to the grocery store every night. That's what it takes. What do we need? Don't they go to the market every day in Europe? Isn't that how, uh, like, uh, Americans, liberal Americans like to fantasize about Europe? They go to the market every day. They get fresh produce every day. They eat in small portions. They eat whatever they want. It's the French way of lit, you know. What do you call it? Uh, joie de vivre? What do you call it? I'll go get a baguette. I'm just going to put the kid on my chest and go get a baguette.